all of us to give thanks to God for how he's been at work, uh, both in our church corporately, but also for many of us individually throughout this, uh, throughout this past year. Um, and yet for myself in the lead up to today, um, I suddenly realised in myself that I can find it hard to live with an attitude of regular thanksgiving within my own uh, everyday life. Earlier on this year, Sarah, my wife and I, we made the commitment together to not turn on the TV in our morning routine uh, at all. Our autopilot previously had been to have the news on in the background, um, and I had been doing a lot of research earlier on this year um, into the way that constant noise, particularly negative noise going into your ears, can affect both your mental and your spiritual life. Uh, now, usually I get my news from, uh, from reading it, but earlier on this week, what I did is I broke the rule that we had made uh, earlier on this year for probably the first time all year. And I watched the news for about half an hour in the morning. I was watching the news and over this half hour, there were four main stories that came into my eyes and into my ears. The war in Israel and Gaza and the protests that were happening in Melbourne. There was an aggressive argument between two people about how many refugees Australia is able to take. There was a terrorist bombing at the border between the USA and, uh, and Canada. And the final article that I saw in this half hour was who takes the blame of the rising living cost in Australia. Once again, a fierce debate between two people on this morning news program. And then after listening to all of that early that morning, I sat down at my desk to write this sermon about being thankful to God. So do you think, after watching all of that, I, in my inner self, had a spirit of thankfulness? Of course not. Now, yet there was this strange, deep, fleshly part of me that enjoyed what I was watching uh, on my TV screen. Now, uh, of course, for, uh, for all of us, we might take news in at different times and there's nothing at all wrong with the news, but there is this strange part within us that can naturally uh, be uh, drawn towards the things that are going wrong in the world and in our lives rather than looking at what is good in the world. On our TV screen, screens, phones, newspapers even, we are constantly being pummeled with all of this negative information that tells us that life is worse right now than it's ever been at any other generation in all of history. Now, depending on who you read, many researchers will actually say that, we've been, uh, that we're doing better off comparatively in the Western world than most previous generations. And yet we're drawn towards these stories and, of drama and negativity that say everything in the world is going wrong. And the reason that this is the case is because these are the things, these are the messages that sell in the world today. In our fleshly, earthly selves, the thing that draws us in more than thankfulness is drama and negativity. Don't believe me? Well, watch any reality show on TV today. They all profit off drama and complaining. Now, watching any of these shows is not necessarily a bad thing on its own. just want to tell you that for all of you Bachelor fans. Uh, unless 
these shows and these things that are going into your mind begin moving you away from being a person with a spirit of thankfulness in your life. And that is why you have to be intentional to cultivate a spirit of thankfulness in your own life. Thankfulness is not something that happens in us automatically. It's something that grows like a plant from the ground when we water it with God's word and looking at the ways that he has been at work in good ways in our life and in the world. God's word is just brimming with these moments of thankfulness. And in particular, 1 Chronicles 15, uh, 8 to 36 shows the thankfulness of God's people uh, with him. At the end of this passage, as we go through this right now, if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 uh, 1 Chronicles. 15. And at the end of this passage, I want you to join with me for these words that you will see, which is Amen and praise the Lord. So let's read together from 1 Chronicles 16, 8 to 36, these words of thanksgiving. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob, he is the the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it. They wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of all the nations are idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen.
and praise the Lord. What we have just read, this amazing, beautiful, lyrical masterpiece, this is the culmination of about 400 years of Jewish history. Moses had led the people out of slavery from Egypt into the promised land, and along the way, he was given instructions about how to construct the Ark of the Covenant, which would be the housing place for the presence of God here on earth, a very specific object and place that would house the presence of God. This was a very important object within Jewish life, within Jewish society and culture. The high priest of Israel was allowed to enter the innermost area of the tabernacle, which surrounded the Ark of the Covenant. This place was known as the Holy of Holies. And the priest could only enter this place once a year at a time called the Day of Atonement. Some of you may have heard of this as Yom Kippur. And it's at this point that the Ark of the Covenant has been brought to the new capital of the United Kingdom of Israel under King David, still regarded as uh, the greatest leader in Israel's history, into this new capital that we now know as Jerusalem. And as the Ark of the Covenant makes its way into Jerusalem, David commissions Asaph, who is the chief uh, priest of the Levites, to proclaim a song of worship and thanksgiving to God, which is the song that we just read. This is often referred to as the Psalm of Thanksgiving or the Song of David. Now stop and recognize the significance of this moment. Understand why they are singing so much praise to God at this point. The Israelites had escaped slavery 400 years before, and it's at this moment that they are in their promised land. They have the presence of God available to them, and they are bringing the presence of God in the ark into the new capital of their promised land. It's like everything in this moment from hundreds of years of history before, has come together right here. Hundreds of years before, when Abraham had been given a promise from God, this promise is now being fulfilled in this moment, in this song, which is what causes King David to commission uh, the Levites or Asaph to sing this psalm of thanksgiving. Now, this is a beautiful song. It is brimming with Um, with just thanksgiving and the goodness of God, celebrating who He is. The words are profound and they speak to the faithfulness of God to His people. And yet, you look at all of the moments beforehand, from Moses to David, and there is a lot of complaining that happened in that point up until this song of thanksgiving. Almost as soon as the Israelites left slavery in Egypt, they said, this is too hard. Take us back. Help us be slaves again to the Egyptians. They complained about the directions that God had told them to take into the promised land. They complained about not having a king when all the countries around them had one. And then when they had a king... They complained about having a king and said, we don't want one anymore. It was only when they stopped here in this significant moment, when David made his people look back, that they realised 
how God has been at work through all of these different moments, through these hundreds of years of history. Now, I look at the Israelites along the way, and I think, how could you be so immensely ungrateful to God? I mean, particularly when they have just left slavery, they saw the miracles of God at work, and they were released from being slaves entering into their promised land. So how could they not have a spirit of thanksgiving? And then I look back at my, myself. I can be so much like the Israelite people, complaining if things don't go my way, forgetting about the things that God has done. And even if I do thank God, sometimes it can just be very short-lived. I mean, even this song, it doesn't really reflect the overall vibe of a lot of the songs of David. You look at a lot of the Psalms and a lot of them are filled with him, uh, with a lot of negativity and complaints towards God. We can be so quick to forget what God has done, just like the Israelites. And yet we need to be aware and we need to take specific moments to stop, just like the Israelites did here. We need to stop. We need to look back. We need to be thankful to God in specific ways for how he's been at work in our lives and also how he's been at work in us corporately. Now, I'm aware that for many of you, you might not feel like you're in the right place for stopping right now. You might not feel like you're in the right space to be looking back. The lead up to Christmas for many people is this time of stress and busyness and there can be event after event after event that you feel like you need to, uh, to go to. The end of year doesn't always lend itself towards stopping and looking back. And I'm aware for many of you feeling thankful right now, today, as you look back on this year, might not be the particular emotion that you feel when looking back at 2023. You may have lost a loved one. You may have had a negative health diagnosis. Rising living costs might be causing you anxiety. You might have major difficulties at work, or you might simply be battling the emotions within your own mind. Yet in all of this, God is still at work. God was at work in the Israelites even amidst the moments that they were finding it difficult. God is at work and he calls us, in the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, to be thankful in all circumstances in our life because he is at work. Over the past uh, little while, Sarah, my wife and I, we've been going out once a, a night a week to have some, uh, some good intentional time together. And when we've been going out, we've uh, made it uh, our, our purpose to ask very specific questions of one another. Often our conversations naturally could veer towards the logistics of life or how work is going or study is going, but we really did want to be more intentional in our conversation together. And as we've done this, we've asked one another the question, what are three things that you can be thankful for over this past season? This is a practical means for, um, for us to stop and consider not just what's been hard in our life, but also how has God been at work? What are the good things that he is bringing into our lives? What is he doing that we should celebrate together? 
To do this, though, to practice cultivating a spirit of thanksgiving, like we see from King David in First Chronicles, you have to be intentional. This does not happen just naturally and automatically. And being intentional with thanksgiving is what today is all about. So with all of that said, with that as the foundation, that's the intro right there. With that as the foundation of today, what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, three sermons. Don't worry, it won't be the length of three, three actual sermons, we hope. But having uh, this song of thanksgiving as our foundation, we're going to look at three different aspects of what God has been doing in our church and in, in us individually as we give thanks for what He's done in the past and also as we give thanks... Uh, for what he will continue to do in the future. And so now, as Dave has already given us the opportunity to stop and think and reflect on something that we might be thankful for, I want to give you the opportunity to have 30 seconds of even sharing with the wider church. We'll be, uh, have a microphone running around. Dave and Ash, you are up to, uh, to run around, get your daily steps in today. Um, and I just wanted to open it up for us. If you have something that you are really thankful to God for, or even thankful to someone else in our church for, I want to give you the opportunity to share that with the wider church hall this morning. This is, can be something that is corporate, thank, uh, thanking God for how he's been at work in our church, or something that he has been at work uh, at in your life individually. I'm not asking you to share for, uh, for long. Um, we've already got three sermons in this, uh, in this sermon. We don't need any more. Um, so just a 30-second recount of something that you are thankful for to either God or someone else here in, uh, in the church. And so who is going to kick it off? God's been at work in many ways throughout the past year in many of our lives. For myself personally, I was really grateful when we had the birth of our son uh, at the beginning of, uh, of this year. Uh, in particular, one of the things that I've been really uh, giving thanks to God for is um, for a long while, my wife had been trying to get our son to say mama first, but he said dada first. So thank you, Zach. It was not a good look I got from my wife, just, just to be aware of. <laughs> For me, I was really grateful when he was born earlier on this year. But if you were here on Easter uh, Sunday, you would have heard the story about how our son, Zach, was born with a very uh, rare illness called glucaric aciduria type 1, which did leave him at an immensely high risk of developing cerebral palsy. But praise God, in a miraculous way, after a lot of people praying for him, he was healed completely of this and has no traces of GA1 in his system anymore. Now, we've had people try and say to us that this must have been a misdiagnosis or something like that, which I find really strange. Um, I mean, God is a God who heals today. Amen. And we see that regularly throughout Scripture. And so I see it only fitting to give God the thanks that he deserves for the miracle that happened in our little boy's 
uh, in our little boy's body. Now, God has been at work in supernatural, powerful ways, and some of that has even been shared here this morning. But it's important to remember that God is able to work in equal power and achieve great things through the, uh, through the regular or seemingly mundane moments of life. Even in this church, there are regular ministries that happen week in, week out, which is a huge part of what your giving contributes towards. Some of our regular ministries, you can see up there on the screen, our services that we have every Sunday, life groups, mainly music, kids club, Bracco Youth, Girls Brigade, Boys Brigade, Young Adults Ministry, online ministry. Um, we've had over 12,000 visits to our website this year in just 2023. Uh, seniors services, care ministry, welcoming, uh, missions, prayer, craft, coffee connect, special events. And this isn't everything that's listed here either. And I just want to say thank you. And I think it'd be great if we could all say thank you to everyone who has served in any of these ministries throughout this past year. Although these are some of the official ministries that are linked to our church, many of you do a lot of ministry throughout uh, throughout your week, both to others in this church and in your own spheres of influence that aren't listed here on the screen. That ministry is just as important as anything that is here listed on the screen. Many of you, you provide meals for people in need. You decorate things around the church. These things just look amazing. Uh, we serve on committees and teams making decisions. You share the gospel in bold and courageous ways in your workplace. You counsel people who are doing it tough in their lives. You use unique skill sets to help others understand more about Jesus. And your contribution, no matter how you serve God, it makes a difference. And I genuinely want to say thank you. Continue to use the gifts that God has given you to serve him, whatever that looks like. Over this past year, we haven't just been having these regular ministries taking place, but we've collectively had a focus which has guided many different initiatives that we, have, uh, that we have had throughout this year. Our vision focus this year was to become a church where everyone can find a home, a church where we find family and experience community no matter who we are, a church where we know one another deeply and share in each other's triumphs and tragedies. This is part of our broader 2032 vision that was discerned and guided by many of you in this church through times of prayer that we had a couple of years ago. To achieve what we've spoken about here, this vision focus, we've preached on family and community throughout this whole year, beginning with and speaking about Jesus' ministry around the table and how he used that as a means to communicate the kingdom of God. We spoke through many of the one another statements in the New Testament and most recently we just finished our series going through the book of Ephesians which, which speaks both to our identity in Christ but also how that influences our relationships with other people. We've had our month of hospitality earlier on this year. We provided opportunities for people to be mentored and training for those who do mentor. We've begun new pathways towards membership for people wanting to call this their church church home. 
We've had monthly-ish meals after our services, including today, and these have been wonderful times to build community together as a whole church family. We've increased our community with men holding regular men's events throughout the year, finishing this Wednesday with our men's celebration night. Now, for you guys, please register for that ASAP. Now, and we've begun building our new cafe and undercover space, which are there to provide uh, places that we can both invite people in, but also spaces where we can experience community with one another in a comfortable, practical setting. And all of these different things... And many more have meant that we have grown closer and more intentional as a church family together. Now, many of you have joined our church over the past three years or so, and I have been personally so encouraged by the way that many of you have shared with me or other people around the place that you have found a sense of community and family in this church, even when you haven't been here for, uh, for very long. So God has been at work in our church over this past year, but he's not finished with us yet. A couple of months ago, our church council met to discern together what our church vision focus would be for 2024. And our vision focus for 2024 is to become a church that is equipped and empowered by the Word of God. A church where the Bible is taught in ways that change people's lives and is practical to everyday life. A church where the gospel is proclaimed and lives are transformed. Now, there's multiple layers and levels to this, which we'll be discussing in the beginning of next year, but it's our genuine desire that we would continue to be and grow even more into a church that has its foundation as the, on the Word of God. We want, to be the, uh, we want this to be true of us together, collectively, but just as much we want this to be true of us individually. The Word of God, the Bible, is the greatest tool that we have been given in being able to understand understand more of the nature of God and the tool that we can use to be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus. And so to kick off 2024, we're going to be going through a series as a means to help you understand how to read the Bible more. We're going to have life group material that correlates with this and a whole heap of other options for helping you understand how to read the Bible more. Now, most people, when it comes to reading the Bible, you might find yourselves getting stuck at several different points. It's difficult to understand some of the strange things that we see throughout Scripture, and yet the entirety of the Bible, it points to a God who loves the world deeply so much that he would come as Jesus to die on behalf of humanity. There'll be free Bibles available for those who don't have them, family discipleship resources made available, activities for children, new Bible study for youth, resources available online, and several other means to understand the Bible more in our everyday lives. But we don't just want to understand the Bible more and then keep it to ourselves. We don't just want to grow as fat sheep. We want to be equipped and empowered to then go and share the gospel and see other people's lives transformed as we understand more about the Word of God that He has given to us, which is why we want to use Alpha as a tool in the new year to make this happen. This will be very different next year as we run Alpha in life groups in Term 2, as well as during our night service time for about seven weeks. This is a means not just to invite people to Alpha, but to be trained up and enabled to share the good news of Jesus with those people that we come into contact with. And then in term three, we're inviting everyone who is able to, 
to run Alpha themselves, whether it's in your workplace, in your school, university, home, your retirement village, online, or with some family friends. We want to empower you to be able to share Jesus wherever you are at in your own world. So there's a little bit about what will be happening uh, as we move into next year. That's Sermon 2 done. But there are still other things that we will be doing to see this vision focus become a reality. And yet our major projects, particularly to do with our building, are still making a lot of headway on a constant basis. Over the past little while, we've been endeavouring to convert what was our creche space into our new cafe, and there's been a lot of work done in this space already, and there's more yet to, uh, to come. Many people in our own church have put a lot of work into this space already. Thank you so much to those of you who have served making that happen, and I think it would be great if we could just thank everyone who has been involved in working on that church cafe. Can we just give them a... Round of applause. And as we get closer to having a fully developed cafe, that's something that's been revealed already. That was meant to happen a little bit later. But as we are going to get closer to beginning work on our new undercover area out the front, we are putting more practical thought into what this space is going to be. And with that in mind, I'm pleased to announce to you that the future of this space will be the home to Eden Cafe. This will be the name and the look of our cafe as we invite people in our community into our space, but also as we experience a sense of family together. Now, there are obvious decor reasons that make sense of things like this name. There'll be lots of greenery in this space. There'll be no tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, but we want, and we want this place to feel relaxed and homey, but there is more to it than that. You see, in the first chapters of the Bible, God created all things, and he said that it was good. All creation was made according to God's perfect plan. And yet God created a specific place, which was the Garden of Eden. Eden was a place, and it was in this place that heaven would overlap with earth, and in this amazing way, the fullness of the presence of God was made available to humanity. God would walk with his people in the garden. They would experience the fullness of heaven on earth as a tangible reality. Now, sin did take this away, but this didn't mean that the presence of God would no longer be with humanity. You see, later on, as we were speaking about earlier, the Ark of the Covenant was built, what we spoke about earlier today, and the Ark of the Covenant was this housing place for the presence of God here on earth. And God gave specific instructions as to what the home for the Ark would look like. This was called the tabernacle, and in the book of Exodus, as we spoke about before, there are immensely specific instructions as to what the tabernacle would look like. There are lengths and materials and all of these different things, very specific instructions. And as the Israelites traveled from slavery, eventually making their way to Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant with King David, the tabernacle, which surrounded the Ark of the Covenant, was built specifically to symbolically replicate one place, and that place was Eden. 
the reason that there is so much detail in how God wanted the tabernacle to be built is because at every point it's communicating imagery of Eden. It was God's desire that the way he interacted with humanity in the tabernacle would be the same as the way he interacted with humanity in Eden. This has always been God's desire, that the fullness of relationship he had with humanity in the garden would one day be renewed. And that's what we want this place to represent and to be a reality in people's lives. You see, we want this cafe space to serve great coffee and great food. We want to welcome people and to experience family there. And yet we want something even deeper and greater than that. Like Eden was a space where the presence of God was most realised and heaven overlapped with earth. Our prayer is to join with Jesus and pray that his kingdom would come in this space here as people come and join us. It's our desire that this space allows people to experience the presence of God. It's our desire that people come in and walk with God in community in this space. It's our desire that people will be able to step out of their everyday lives to find a place of solitude and relaxation in the presence of their Father. And so right now, we're just going to stand together. Would you just stand to your feet? And as we look back on this past year, as we look back on how God has been at work in our lives, team, if you want to come up right now, We have spoken about how God has been at work and how he will be at work in the future in our church. And yet for all of you, there will have been moments as you have reflected on this past year where you can point to times of God's faithfulness personally. At no point has God ever, no matter what's happened in your year, At no point has God ever stopped loving you, being good to you, showing faithfulness to you and working by his spirit in your life. So as we look back, as we celebrate the way that God's goodness has been at work, let's genuinely be thankful as we sing to him right now. Let's pray. Lord, the words of of this song that I will sing of the goodness of God, that all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good. And yet particularly, Lord, I just want to pray for anyone individually who might just be feeling that you have left them or abandoned them in some way, that you don't have good plans for them. Reassure them, please, God, that in the midst of what they might be feeling, you are still at work. Would you give us spirits of thankfulness for how you are at work in your people? Lord, thank you for how you have been at work in your church here specifically. Thank you for the people who have come into this room right here and onto this property. Thank you for the way that you have ministered through this place, for the people who have come to a saving knowledge of you, for the people who have found family in this space. Lord, thank you for the way that you have been at work through many in our church individually. Lord, I'm just thinking of people who have ministered in powerful ways in their retirement villages, in workplaces, in families, in schools, in universities. Even this past week, thank you, Lord, for how you are at work through our red frogs at schoolies on the Gold Coast. 
So thank you for how you have been at work. We want to give thanks to you and praise to you in all circumstances. So help us to do that right now, God, as we sing and respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.